welcome to Let's Talk About Teaching. I'm Mrs Murray. Thank you so much for listening to the Let's Talk About Teaching podcast today. It's so fantastic to have the listeners tune in and I really appreciate anyone who's listened on Apple Podcasts who's managed to rate and review the show. It really makes a difference and helps us share and reach out to other listeners that might benefit from an Education Scotland based podcast. Today, in this episode, we'll be discussing what we've learned from one year on from the COVID pandemic. I'm not sure if it'll be the same for the colleagues out there in Scotland listening, but my school had a minute of silence last week in primary schools with the full return to remember all the families and all the bereavement and the loss and the grief that has happened as a result of COVID in the year. And it had me really thinking on my reflection of what what have we learned as a profession one year on from the COVID pandemic, from really thinking on our feet and moving to remote learning without any real preparation, guidance, training or IT equipment um, and how we've learned and how we've risen to that occasion and maybe what are the things that stand out in my mind as a professional in Scotland that maybe we could have done better, things that we've left with that are causing issues and, and things that if we were ever in a situation where a pandemic saw school closures again, that might be totally different under new circumstances, thinking about all we've learned retrospectively. So I think the first point I'd like to talk about is something that most teachers in Scotland will already realise, but I think really hit the whole of Scotland that really schools have responsibilities for pupils that go far beyond the educational establishment. The school and teacher's role is no longer just to fill a student with skills and knowledge and capabilities that will help them as they grow up. I think when you heard the Scottish Government up every day talking about the children who were suffering because of school closures, that maybe the school was the only child prayer provision that had access to reading materials or heating or books, or that the school was the only access that that child had to hot meal provision. I think it became absolutely clear for everyone across Scotland that teachers and the education, the schools, the education department are responsible for so much more than educating our children. They're responsible for the physical, social and emotional welfare of children across Scotland, particularly those children that are living in in SIMD households of one and two, where parents are working at home and they'll be doing their best, but without the support from the school and without grants and free school meals funding and that sort of network that a lot of parents really rely on the schools to help them have access so that they can get out and work. You know, children who are vulnerable and families who are vulnerable have really been left without the school, which has been possibly what I would consider too heavily relied on, you know, possibly our social state welfare really needs to step up its game and not allow education to really carry these families and be the only source of support because, yes, ELCC, Early Years Childcare Learning Centres are moving into the 52 weeks weeks a year, but there are times where you think, well, we were so worried about these children at home, what, what happens to them over the summer? when there's no catering staff and there's no extra snacks being given out and there's no hot school meal provision, really does open up a question of how vulnerable are we leaving children and families if they are on the breadline of poverty. The other thing that really stood out to me that I think I touched on in this episode's introduction was that teachers are particularly resilient creatures. You know, we have risen to this challenge. If you looked into me and my classroom before the closure of our school last year in 2020, Children were coming in every day saying, oh, my mum, my dad, my grown-up, my adult in my house says that actually schools are going to close. What do you think, Mrs Murray? And I absolutely turned around and said, there's no way that schools will close. We're your childcare. That's how your parents get out and go to work. Don't worry about coronavirus. We'll all be fine. And within two weeks, I was eating my words and I was shocked 
that they'd close the schools because as we know that's how capitalism works you know all these parents can get out and make money for themselves and keep the economy going and stimulating everything because these children are under local parentis with their school with their teachers they are being cared for and they're being educated I think the fact that teachers really showed their commitment to the world for something that's already been existing for lots of years you know I think many teachers would say teaching is a job that's never done but I think during the pandemic the the teachers commitments to training planning and preparation out with contractual hours and that's something I really want to highlight you know there's no overtime for teachers the 35 hours per week is a joke if you think about how much work has to get done for differentiating class of so many different needs in an inclusive primary school you really are expected to go and make sure you're hitting those needs for every learner. And so working out with contractual hours is becoming the norm. And I think without that expectation, you know, the transition to remote learning would not be possible. Teachers were not trained as the schools closed. Teachers had no idea about Google Classroom, Microsoft Teams. We were not using them internally, you know. Said something we had little experience of. We were left right at the deep end. And if you were a teacher out there that wasn't particularly literate in digital literacy, if you didn't have the confidence in computing skills, you know, you were really left struggling and you were on your own with whatever IT you had available to sort of work this out for yourself. And I think teachers showed that commitment and they showed that resilience. And really they should be rewarded for it, both the teachers that worked at home and especially for the teachers that were still in schools that entire time supporting key worker and vulnerable children, because I think we do forget Every school in each local authority in Scotland did have key worker school and hub, hub schools were open. So teachers did work through that pandemic and I think that needs to be recognised. Personally, I would like to see some sort of a financial bonus for teachers that volunteered you know, throughout the pandemic to work consistently in these crew work and vulnerable schools before they were brought into our own schools and every teacher took turns going in on a rota and actually supported key worker and vulnerable children at their own schools. What's really interesting to me one year on, and I would be so interested to hear from the listeners, and you can email in at time to talk about teaching at gmail.com, is that in our local authority, you know, we've never been better funded. We've never been better resourced until now. With the Scottish Government injection of cash that happened during the school closures and the subsequent injections, we've seen our local authority go from absolutely zero IT provision, outdated resources, you know, things that weren't working on the updated software things that were out of date expired and now you know we have 80 Chromebooks in our school we've got extra Kindles every teacher has a Kindle we've got still got our iPads we're expecting more and more provision we've had new IT suites put in our computer in our primary school and I think it's it's insane when you think about the amount of funding and resources that's been available to local authorities and yet at a school level for practitioners teachers working in a classroom every day the class sizes are exactly the same. We're maxed out to our limit. Staffing is short. In our school, we have, you know, one class that has four teachers in because if you're a shielding teacher, if you are ill, if you're dealing with loss and bereavement, you know, you're not returned yet. And I think quite a lot of the schools across Scotland will find themselves short and pulling staff that are usually supporting small groups, maybe raising attainment teachers, maybe specific support, ASN teachers that are now being pulled and put into different classes to cover these shortages. And of course, yes, you know, we have the funding there, but we don't seem to be able to match the teachers to the supply list to our local authority and get them in our school. And that's a massive, massive problem. The manager of our local authorities, the Children's Service, the manager was saying that he had employed 40 new teachers since March 2020. But 
We've had several supply teachers in our school, you know, they're zero hour contracts, they're not consistent, they're not reliable for them. They're applying for more temporary long term posts in other local authorities and we are not replacing them. We're finding ourselves short. I'd be interested to hear if that's the case of schools across local authorities. I think the other thing that I've really realised is now we have a plethora of new online resources to get to grips with. We're back in school full time and we're supposed to still manage our home classrooms and keep our toe in the water of digital learning just in case, you know, there was a positive case or a class was isolating or, you know, hopefully it won't happen. But if there was another school closure, we need to keep our hands on both wheels. We need to make sure we've got our in real life classroom up and running and the kids are welcome back and they're getting all the support and differentiation that they need. We also need to keep making sure they're still using the digital platform they could be using if the schools were to go off again or a class was having to isolate. So it means you're in real life and you're on Google Classroom and the EIS were so clear you shouldn't be doing both. I think a lot of schools have worked that around their working time agreement have put it into homework. You know, but the hours really that it takes to set something up in Google Classroom, particularly if you're not on your top of your game with your digital literacy, it really does take us back into the unpaid overtime and working out with our contractual hours. I think it's very difficult, but in my personal opinion, the priority on the educational recovery in Scotland and a focus that was there for pupils' health and well-being, for me, seems like a distant dream because it's not been mentioned anymore. The word recovery is being dropped from our artist vocabulary as we return to full-time education in primary. You know, we're back to assessments, reports, parents' evening, the school improvement plan, leadership, powering on with anything that you did or you were trying to catch up with. It does not feel to me like a recovery process or something that is prioritising health and well-being of pupils over their attainment. And I think that is wrong. We're making a poor choice there and we really should be focusing on educational recovery and the health and well-being of the vulnerable children that are in front of us that have been through something that, you know, we have really had to experience and I think the trauma that anyone has experienced during COVID, if it be anxiety, stress, grief, a loss, isolation, you know, we need to acknowledge that as the most important thing is a holistic approach to the child's health and well-being. I think the full-time primary return from the Scottish Government and the, the CERG, the Education Recovery Group guidance, has been very disappointing. I know many staff have felt that way. I think the, the caveats for the early years childcare centre and the infant pedagogy that is in primary school that are following the play-based pedagogy, you know, the caveats of where possible means that social distancing is non-existent. You know, we are doing the lateral flow testing, that's twice a week we do it at home. We've got certain days, so all the staff are doing it on the same days as our school. But, you know, that's an afterthought. It's not a protective measure. And if there was to be an outbreak, you know, a transmission in the school that really does open up staff our families and our pupils in our early years environment to isolating again for two weeks, which nobody wants. We want to finish off really thinking about our secondary colleagues. I know that they are waiting. I think that's over the Easter break, early April. They'll have their confirmed whether the entirety of the senior phase will be returning. I think my hope, my concern for the colleagues, as I'm sure there is, their own concerns are, is that they will keep social distancing from secondary to protect pupils, to protect colleagues, maybe that will mean smaller class sizes, you know, more practical sizes, something that's more manageable that will allow two metres to be spread out between the pupils and between their teachers and the support staff within the secondary schools. My heart really does go out to any secondary colleagues who are really thinking, you know, I've just made this temporary timetable for the last three weeks. Am I really going to have done all that graft, all that work to just go in and change it and go back to full time where 
there's not going to be the possibility in, in the Arfader Secondary School, I know from, from experience, from being in there, it's not physically possible to socially distance these children two metres apart. And I think we're already facing so much <laughs> that that is something where the secondary colleagues have gone through a lot if they're going through things with the SQA just now. This is just maybe something that really, I hope very much, that the Scottish Government and the Education Recovery Group really keep in mind that social distancing should be a priority in secondary schools. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. I hope that you found it interesting and if you have learned anything from one year on after being a teacher in a pandemic in Scotland, please do let me know. I'd be very excited to hear from you. You can write in at time to talk about teaching at gmail.com. That's time to talk about teaching at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening again today. I really appreciate it. I would love it if you could, if you find this valuable, could you share this please with one of your colleagues, someone that you know maybe who's interested in education, doesn't need to be an active teacher, but if they are and you think someone would really benefit from listening or helping shape this conversation, because I'd like this to be a shared space where we can all contribute, you know, and really empower ourselves to have our own voice about what's happening in education in Scotland. I would really appreciate if you were to share this with one person. It would really help us spread our audience and get the Let's Talk About Teaching podcast and a wee bit more engagement. Thank you so much again for listening today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. I know that you're insanely busy, especially if you're a primary practitioner returning already to a full-time class. My heart goes out to you. And the same to the secondary colleagues, wishing you all the best for hearing in the next couple of days about your secondary return. And I do hope that you maintain that social distancing between pupils and their teachers. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.